Welcome to Seers, Beers, Knowers, and Doers, a podcast about intuition. Do you know what that is? Intuition to me is that inner sense or knowing that something is true, and yet I have no proof. But there's so many definitions, and there's so many ways it can come. I'm looking to bring together and share with you some amazing guests who have some amazing life stories and also some insights into how intuition can come. And I'm looking to gather those crows in the trees. I hope you're one of them. I hope that this podcast inspires you to be more connected to your intuition. And I hope that by doing that, we make the world a better place. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. Before we get started today, I would love to share some tools with you to help with stress and feeling overwhelmed, especially for the energetically sensitive person. Feel free to go to my store on my website at www.healingvitality.ca. Thanks so much for coming on this journey with me. So I'm super excited today because I'm about to introduce you to this fabulous lady who has like awed me with her connection with a horse. You know me, I love horses and I was on social media and there she was making a horse stop with her breath. So I was like, you need to be on my podcast. So Melissa Finn, thank you so much for saying yes <laughs> to some lady who just said, you need to be on my podcast. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. So Melissa, are you able to uh, tell us all about yourself so the world can get to know you better? Yeah, sure. So my name is Melissa. I'm 37. I've been involved with horses all since I was five years old. And I currently own two cats and three rats that keep me endlessly entertained. And when they're not entertaining me, I like to uh, sing karaoke and go tempin bowling. And I like to go out and have fun. Cool. So in your horse world you've been with them since you were five years old like were your parents animal people or did you make them animal people because you needed animals but how did that go so my mother has always been a horse lover herself and i was born with a disability and my mother heard about something called rda which is riding for the disabled and she knew that it was like a good physiotherapy slash social, all that kind of thing. So she got me involved with that when I was about five years old. Oh, cool. And um, I used to compete in my younger years. Wow, cool. Okay. I actually have been one of the spotters on an RDA program. It was my intro to horses, actually. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. I can go be with a horse and see whether or not I'm able to coexist there. And uh, it was such an amazing experience as a witness to the strength and the persistence and the patience and the amazing connections that people have with these horses that they literally just see for an hour once a week. Absolutely. Amazed me totally, inspired me totally. So I feel honored to speak with you today. Yeah. Competing is, like, for people to understand competing from a therapeutic ride perspective, can you get into that a little bit? Because for people to visualize it who have 
not actually witnessed a therapeutic riding program. What's all involved to get to a level of competing? And with anything, there's a lot of training involved. But I was inspired by the connection (laughs) that happens in that short amount of time that people are spending. Because when somebody's competing, did you get access to the horses a lot more? Or did you just still get that one or two hours a week? I don't know what your program's like. Ours was one hour a week. Yeah, so when I was ultra young, they were only like in-house competitions, but as I got older, my early teens, they gave us the option to go to state competitions, and um, I actually did get to compete twice in the RDA state champs for dressage and games. So when I was training for the state champs, we did have our one-hour lessons every week, but if I recall correctly, for the couple of months leading up to it, we were given like two hours extra riding lessons per week to get up to scratch and learn the, the tests and stuff like that. So you did just dressage championship lessons in three hours a week. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that other dressage competitions they would have more time with the horse than that but i have no idea is would that be true i would say so like i have never owned my own horse so i only got access to an rda horse and as far as i'm aware people who do like national i think they probably own their horses or they would like lease the horse from somebody and be able to have daily lessons i guess but i'm not really sure but i would assume that's how it is cool now before the call you told me that you just got into something called horsemanship three or four years ago and i've had a lot of horse people on here but i don't think anybody's actually described or what is horsemanship so can you describe the difference between horsemanship and just being a rider with my rda background we just ride the horse you get there they saddle up the horse for you. They get you on the horse and then you've got a leader or sidewalkers or both or one or the other. Uh, whereas with horsemanship, it's basically just groundwork. They put you – it depends on the centre, really. They're either going to, like, let you brush the horse or teach you about feeding them and things like that. But what I did was more like – lunging the horse, teaching it to use its feet on the ground and follow instruction by me from the ground. So um, are you at liberty or are you, and liberty means you don't actually have a rope between you and the horse, or are you using a rope between you and the horse? So probably three out of four years that I've done groundwork, I have used a rope because my hand-eye coordination is not that great. And it took me like a year or two just to teach the horse to go around me in a circle because I'm in a wheelchair and I can't actually, you know, turn in a circle with the horse. And, of course, I had to coordinate myself with the rope as well and a crop to get the, the horse moving just as a, a moving aid, not a – you don't whip the horse or anything, that you never touch the horse with it. Right. So, um, more like a movement behind them that makes them move, like because yeah, they're flayed animals. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. That's right. So in the last year that I did horsemanship, I was just sort of learning to like do things off lead 
in an actual round yard and I didn't really succeed. But yesterday, after I think a nearly two-year break, this is the thing that you saw in that group. So they put me in a makeshift round yard and the lady gave me a flag or well, a choice between a flag and like the the long lunge whip thing. And so I used the flag and got the horse moving at liberty, which was absolutely incredible. I felt it and I was just watching a video. So I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Because at liberty, a horse can choose to do whatever they want and don't have to do anything. Exactly. There's nothing but you and your energy and that horse and that Mm -hmm. horse's energy. So I'm like, okay, this is awesome. Oh, it was. It was totally awesome. Never done anything like it. It was really cool to sort of get the horse moving. It amazed me that I was even capable of doing that because I've never done it before. Didn't think I could. So you just opened a whole new door yesterday. Yeah, I did, yeah. So this lady's going to teach me a whole lot more. Awesome. So you mentioned you have rats for a pet, and I've had relationship with a rat in my university years and we both were talking before the call about how intelligent they are and how it would be cool to explain the world of rats and connecting with a rat to the rest of the world so I know that there's rat lovers out there it's just not the stereotype of a lot of people and how they perceive rats so would you mind explaining what got you to get a rat for a pet to start with because I think that's maybe intuitive. <laughs> I don't know. And explain a little yeah. bit more how your connection with your rats go. Sorry. So when I was a little kid, I did actually have a rat named Rat Capone. I don't remember a lot about him, but I know that he was really, really cool. About a year ago, I just decided that I wanted more rats after I'd had guinea pigs for about seven years. Like the guinea pigs were awesome for me, but... I wanted to have animals that were more interactive and human-oriented. So I actually found my boys on Gumtree, <laughs> a selling site on, you know, online. I, I chose this particular lady because she called them her grandbabies. And uh, I knew that they were loved and well cared for and handled. So I was like, I have to have them. And then I got there and one of the three boys that I got who ended up being named Latte because I'm obsessed with coffee. (laughs) I picked him up and he immediately fell asleep in my lap. Well, actually, no, he fell asleep on my chest. He had intuition of his own and realised that I was a a loving, caring person and, you know, he was instantly comfortable with me, which absolutely made me melt. Mm. And um, the other two boys are very similar. They're so beautiful and friendly and smart. They all know their names and they all come. They all know the difference between my fingers and food. And they're extremely gentle. They don't rip food out of my hands. They, like, gently take it. You know, like they're just, you know, gently asking for it. They're they're super cute, super smart things. I remember the gentleness And I also remember the cuddliness and once people kind of got over the 
oh my God, I should be scared of that. That's a rabid, scary, make you sick, dirty animal. Once people kind of got over that lens and saw his personality and like the interaction with the people that he knew, he was, he just won everybody over. He was like the mascot. It was really kind of cool to see. Yeah, I've, the, the thing that I've learned about the rat behavior is that when you are saying hello to them or they're saying hello to you, they actually yawn and they stretch out their paws. And they did that to me one day and they actually grabbed my finger and yawned and like came up to me and gave me kisses. <laughs> so beautiful. Good. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit, Melissa. How does intuition come to you? So I've always had natural intuition I guess I have a support worker who I regularly freak out because there have been numerous instances where she's just given me a glance or gone to open her mouth to say something to me and I realize what she's about to say to me and I'll answer her before she even gets a word out and then like her jaw drops and she'll be like freaking out because she doesn't know how on earth like I know what she was going to say done it to me dad too <laughs> so um and i also have a lot of like deja vu kind of things i've seen things or i know things are gonna happen um i can give you one recent instance actually which doesn't have anything to do with animals specifically sure. um like about two months ago my kitchen light um, decided to stop working. It's one of those long ones. And so I called the housing department to come get it fixed. And so they did that after a couple of days. And then inexplicably, I got this weird feeling that something was wrong with the light still, like it wasn't put back in properly. And there was no reason for me to think this because it looked completely fine. And I asked my support worker if she could see if anything was wrong with it. She's like, no, I can't see anything. And then the night after, the light actually fell out and smashed on the ground Mm. in the kitchen. Yeah. You would think your support worker would know. (laughs) No, but it literally didn't look like there was actually anything wrong with it. Wow. There was nothing visibly there that anyone could probably see. That would make it look as if it was like out of place or anything. It looked normal. And it was working, so it was connected. Yes. I just had this unexplainable feeling that something was wrong. And then that happened. What a mess. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Yeah. Totally. And when you've got animals, it's like, don't walk in the kitchen. No. So do you connect with your animals using intuition? So, yeah, mm. especially my cat. I find them quite easy to read, I think. Maybe it's because I've known them for a long time. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I generally know what they're thinking and what they want. They are also in tune with me. You know when I'm feeling bad and need them for company and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Had you ever met that horse yesterday before? No, never. Okay. Never met. <laughs> Never met either of those horses yesterday. Um, that was the first time I'd met any of them. The lady that owns them 
did actually give me instruction and did tell me to take a deep breath when I wanted the horses to stop and she said that they would stop on that deep breath, which was really, really surprising and trippy. But yeah, it it worked. They do read your body language and listen to your heart and your breath and all that kind of stuff and feed off your energy. Are there any other stories you'd like to share about how intuition shows up in your life? Oh, I don't know. I can't think of anything else. I know that there would be heaps and heaps of things, like particularly related to animals, especially horses. It's very interesting. I'm I'm sure there's lots of stories I could tell. I can't think of anything right now. So what intrigues me, and this may sound like a very ignorant question, so pardon my ignorance, is... The wheelchair that you're in is part of your body, I would assume, at this point, in a sense. Mm-hmm. But to a horse, that's not necessarily an apparatus that all horses are used to seeing or used to seeing how it maneuvers. Yeah. Were the horses that you interacted with yesterday used to seeing a wheelchair? They are used for, like, EFL-type stuff. And what's um, EFL? I do know that they're... Equine facilitated learning. Okay. It's pretty popular. Yeah. Although I haven't practiced it. So I do know that they have some limited exposure to people with disabilities, but I don't think they've had any exposure to people in wheelchairs until yesterday. Yeah. So to me, it's a bit, fa- I wondered that. And it's, it's fascinating to me because horses are flight animals and Mm-hmm. Also, the fact that people work for months or years to get their animals connected to them mm-hmm. from a horse perspective because they're flight animals. And you arrived, which I didn't know. I didn't have that awareness yesterday fully. And they're taking your instruction of your breath. And I'm like, okay, there's more going on here. <laughs> yeah. The whole horsemanship from a wheelchair thing is not only relatively new for me, but it's a relatively new concept for most organisations i found in this country. There aren't a lot of disability-friendly organisations that, or horse organisations that will offer horsemanship-style lessons. Everyone's learning. Yeah. Again, I I wanted to interview the two of you because intuitively the person that you're working with, I'm like, she knew something. She had some yeah. intuition to put you in a round pen with a horse <laughs> in a wheelchair that you've never met before and mm-hmm. just be okay and know that her horse that had is able to have a mind of its own, you're both going to be okay. I thought, okay, this is cool. And to know that it's not something, again, in her wheelhouse that's happening every week on her farm, it's like, okay, that horse knows. And I think horses do know. I think in your interaction with horses throughout the years, have there been situations where you're like, "Mm, this horse doesn't feel like it's in a good mood today? Like, have you had that kind of insight yeah so i am mostly used to the rda horses where they're like half dead and quiet and you can do anything with them and they're totally bomb proof but i have also worked with horses who were completely terrified of my wheelchair 
a good number of years ago, I worked with a little pony who was terrified and had never in his life seen a wheelchair. You know, you saw the whites of his eyes and his nostrils were flared and he was backing away from me, you know, trying to run away. And um, he was allowed to escape. He wasn't on lead or anything like that. And he was completely terrified of me. But I kept my back turned away from him. And after about half an hour of just ignoring him, he decided to try to come up and say hello. And as long as I did not move my wheelchair, he came closer and closer and got brave enough to sniff my hands. And within an hour, someone was able to put a a halt on him in a lead rope and this horse let me get close to him. And by the end of that hour, I was able to lead him around and do a bit of groundwork with him myself. Awesome. So that was really, really cool. Awesome. Yeah. But um, I find with most horses, they are a little nervous and they are aware that I'm in a wheelchair. They're aware it's different, that I'm not normal from you know, other people. And so they're curious. And what they actually do is they sniff my wheelchair from the bottom to the top. They, they start from, like, the front wheels and they sniff my feet they have this weird obsession with my feet, it's funny. And then they go to my back wheels and then they go to the handlebars and try to bite the handlebars usually. Mm. And then they go to my face, they shove their face right in mine, like they shove their nostril right over my nose and then blow into it. Mm. And like three or four horses have done that to me now, which I've heard that, I don't really do that to able-bodied people too much. Yeah, it's I don't a, shove their nose in able-bodied people's faces. Understand, it's a bit of a gift because they do it to other horses when they're in yeah. a happy space. I think is what happens. Um, yeah. But again, I could be wrong. Yeah. But yeah, your impression's the same. Is that it's not a typical? Uh, it's a it's a place yeah. of hello. I want to get to know you better, kind of thing. Or how are yeah. you doing? Yeah. Yeah, I find as long as I'm calm and quiet and still, most horses are generally not so afraid that they're, like, dangerous or anything. They are happy to explore cautiously. Nice. This has been fantastic. I'm glad we did speak about rats today because that was one of both of our goals. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have goals on this uh on this podcast, but I'm like, whoa, somebody who knows rats. Let's talk about rats. And I highly uh, recommend them just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're... If, you, if, if you want a horse but can't own them, get rats instead. They are that similar. <laughs> just uh, as trainable and fun. Amazing. Well, and, and independent and not as yes. expensive as a horse, but sounds like their lifespan is... They're, they're more of a heartbreaker because their lifespan's so short. Unfortunately, yeah. yes. I guess there's no guarantees with anything, but yeah. True. No, that's true. Well, this has been fantastic, Melissa. Thank you so much for saying yes on uh, an intuitive question. And I think hopefully this will inspire others to connect more with what they know and feel and see and be. So 
I think absolutely. It's I think you're just as much as a of a beer as you are a seer (laughs) or a a knower. Yeah, I think knowing to put in that time with that pony. Yeah, um, something told you that that pony could be won over. So actually, it's funny you should say that about the beer and the seer and the doer. The lady that I was working with yesterday told me that um. I was a good person to be around these horses because not only do I want to have the fun and do the things with the horses, but I'm also equally happy to just sit there and be with them mm-hmm. and do nothing. Yeah. And so you know, they naturally just wanted to be around me and sneak up on me, give me a fright. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, horses are the ultimate beers. Yeah. The, they'd embrace you as one of one with the herd. Oh yes, they do. Especially that horse yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. All yeah. right. Well, thank you again for your time today, Melissa. I truly appreciate it. Thank you. That's awesome. Until next time, I'm going to be following you now. <laughs> awesome. I'll be posting regular updates on that group about my progress. Awesome. I'm sure I will go far now. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure you will. Take care. You too. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. We truly appreciate our guests for sharing their stories and insights about how intuition has impacted their lives. And I'm so grateful for Peter Trainer for his time and giving me this original music. It's now your turn. It's your turn to listen and act on your own intuition and help make the world a better place. Until next time, keep seeing, being, knowing, and doing. If you like this podcast, please share it. If you want to find others like it, go to www.healingvitality.ca or wherever you would find your podcasts. We would love to have you join us on this journey. Come be a crow sitting in the tree. Be part of our community.